Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 248 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Amanda Collins. Amanda lives an hour north of Melbourne, Australia, and she is a writer, a poet, a death doula, and a sound healer. Welcome, Amanda. And before we get into the podcast, would you tell people what it means? I think we know what a writer and a poet would be, but explain what a death doula is. I happen to know because we had a death doula on the Life Lessons podcast, but a lot of listeners might not know. And also what a sound healer is. Okay. Hi. It's so lovely to be here, Jen. Very, very quickly. A death doula is someone who is not necessarily, it's a bit like a midwife 
for people who are dying. So it's um, not necessarily a medical support or a spiritual support, but a human support. So like a, someone who can come and sit with the, the person who is dying or the family who are coping with people who are dying and trying to support them. And what a death doula does is kind of have the, make the connections and give a bit of moral support. So that's the death doula part. The sound healing part is something that I've come into in the last few years and I I tone and I play crystal singing bowls and it's the effect is a little bit like having a Reiki session. So it's it's energy medicine. It feels really delicious and a lot of people report a lot of lovely relaxation from it and I can actually do it online. So it's been really good. I've been able to support people during the pandemic, which has been lovely. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. And you know, we're energy beings. So all this energy stuff, a lot of people may think it sounds all woo-woo, but we, we are we are energy. It's woo-woo until you try it, isn't it? And then you oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that because I know people be like, what? Did you have a chance to listen to the Life Lessons episode? where we? Or do you listen to that podcast at all? I do. I dip in and out of that one. I don't binge it the way I binge this one. Well, you need to check out the one. My friend Jenny Herkenbach, I never know if I'm saying her name right, but I think I did. She talked about being a death doula. So you might be really interested in hearing what she had to say. So you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I was a bigger kid and I had a lot of health problems, little niggly health problems. So I wasn't one of these kids who was in and out of hospital, but I was the one who caught the flu. If there was flu going around, I caught it. I had stomach issues. I was put on a gluten-free diet in the 70s back when that was not something that people knew about. I think it was hard for me because, you know, I was a kid and I wanted to live my life. I think I'm about the same age as you. So I was a kid in the 70s and I would go to children's birthday parties with my friends' birthday parties with my own little bag of treats that I was allowed to eat And I had to sit at the table, the birthday table of treats and not eat any of the little cupcakes or the little, you know, the the jelly slices or all the things. And my mum nearly blew up her mixer making gluten-free bread for me. I can remember, I can still remember the smoke coming out of the the engine. I think that was the last time she ever tried to make gluten-free bread for me. And you probably couldn't buy it in the stores very easily back then. No, no, no. And you could get a gluten-free bread mix, which was hideous. It was like, it was a kind of a cross between sponge and cardboard. And I remember my mum used to make me toast and honey sandwiches to take to school because I wouldn't eat anything else. Like, you know, she did the best she could. With We had one typed page of information of what I could eat and couldn't eat. And the really interesting thing is you can see the inflammation in my childhood pictures. So already my body was was struggling and look, it was still the 70s when I was doing Weight Watchers. So I think I was nine or 10. I was little. Wow. They put you on Weight Watchers at the age of nine or 10? Yeah, that wasn't a smart move, you know. And that, of course, set me up for weighing things and measuring things and all that kind of stuff, you know. Right before I got into my teens, you know, by the time I was in my teens, we we had a magazine here called Dolly Magazine, which was kind of, that was the teen girl Bible, you know, you, you read that. And of course, there were diets in that. So I did all the Dolly diets. I can remember making, uh, Dolly said, 
that bran was had no calories. So I'm making everything out of bran. <laughs> and you can imagine how ghastly that was. So Jenny Craig, cabbage soup, diet drinks, low fat, glycemic index, all these things. The last time I really did a diet was in my early 30s. And that was, I was feeling so exhausted because I still had this And all the way through, I was still, my immune system still wasn't strong. I still caught things. I still got mouth ulcers. I still, uh, ear infections. And were you still gluten-free all this time? I faded in and out. So I would feel all right and then not feel all right. And they couldn't get a definitive reason why I needed to be gluten-free. So it wasn't like they were saying, oh, you're celiac, you better be gluten-free. So they could just see, we could see that something wasn't right when I ate gluten. So like with the bran cakes, I was eating gluten because that was wheat bran. So anyway. So you did your last official diet, you said in your early thirties. In my early thirties and it was an anti-candida diet. So the idea was to no wheat, no sugar, no dairy, blah, blah, blah. And so my eating pattern change and I can and the weight just fell off because my body went oh okay nothing that's inflaming here so I can drop all that but I was still eating breakfast lunch dinner snack evening popcorn and I can remember saying to my mum I can do this forever because if it's this good I can do it forever well I couldn't do it forever and and in fact I did it until we went away on holiday and we had we went to an Italian restaurant and I had pasta, which was wheaty. And immediately my body started to get inflamed again. So my belly swelled up. I had bloating and I felt really anxious and terrible. And I thought, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And so I'm now 54 and the, and I realized probably a year after that diet because I knew I wasn't going to go back but I realized a year after that diet that I needed to just not muck around with trying to lose weight because every time I did I would put a little bit more on you know I mean this is same old story I think we've all heard it a million times you're exactly right because the yo-yoing every time it just went higher and higher. You would lose the weight. And, you know, they even say that the biggest predictor of being overweight is having been on a diet in the past. And then so, you know, if they worked, then it would be the opposite of that. But yeah, so I really felt that. So from my 30s until a couple of years ago, it really was a case of just try and tread water, try not to And so I took out most of the things that were problematic. So it would be mostly gluten-free, a little bit like your cleanish concept. And, in fact, I got hold of cleanish. I was reading through it and and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, try and minimise the harm, I suppose, is probably the the way that I'd lived my life. But, But it meant that I kept my diet or the way I ate pretty screwed down because I knew that if I ate dairy or if I ate wheat that my weight would go up that was just how it was going to be so and did you not feel well when you ate them still like you could still see you could feel like 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 you would say both dairy and wheat are inflammatory for your body yeah although interestingly dairy is not as inflammatory as it used to be when I only eat it in a window which is so funny I'm not surprised (laughs) (laughs) basically by my mid thirties, I was over a hundred kilos and slowly creeping up. 
I used to dread this time between, I haven't even got to how I got to intermittent fasting, but we'll get there. And by the way, I, I just did the little, I did the little calculation here. A hundred kilograms is 220 pounds. And how tall are you? I was 5'7". I'm now 5'6". Yeah, I was really annoyed about that. I went to the GP and I said, oh, you've got a height checker. Can I check my height? Because I wanted to make a note of it. And he said, oh, yeah, that's 5'6". Um, I wonder, you need to try it again. I wonder if there's something was wrong with theirs because I swear something was wrong. I've always thought I was 5'5". Five, five, and I think I told this on a podcast episode probably before, but I had Chad measure me. I was like, I wonder if I'm shrinking because people shrink when they get older and He's like, you're actually just over 5'5". Five, five. I'm like, what? Well, I wonder whether, you know, because you're, the connective tissues aren't degenerating because that's what happens. I got taller. I don't know. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but I always thought I was 5'5". Five, five, and I, he's like, no, you're a little taller than that. I'm like, well, okay. I love it. I love it. So you're 100 kilograms and 220 pounds and you were just like, that was it. I would dread the time between Christmas and late March because that's when all the family, well, not all, hi to all the family who aren't don't have birthdays in there, but that's when the, a lot of family birthdays happened. And I knew that by the end of March I would weigh more than at the start and that there probably wasn't much hope of me getting it off and keeping it off. So I would just kind of maintain it's funny because lots of people put weight on in the winter. For me, it was always the summer. So, And because y'all are the opposite of us, for anybody who forgets. <laughs> like right now, I'm sitting here and I'm wearing my summer dress because we're recording this in July and you're sitting there in wintertime. I am and I'm snuggled up next to the heater. I've got the heater right by my toes because it's really... My air conditioner's going and... <laughs> We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. 
so good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. So your weight always went up during during your summer. Yeah. And then it would, so by 2018, 2019, I was regularly around 216, 220 kilos. No, 120 kilos. Sorry. 120 kilos. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, that was a lot of weight that you went up. <laughs> and I had it written down what that was in pounds. Sorry, I've lost it. Okay. I just looked it up. 264. So you were around 264 pounds. Yep. I could get around it that way. Physically, I was still pretty strong, but I would have great periods of exhaustion. And I would talk to a doctor, every so often I would talk to a doctor or something like that. And they would say things like, you might help yourself by losing some weight. Oh, what? No way. I never heard that before. That is like astonishing information, doctor. I'd never thought of that. Yeah. (laughs) So I learned what kind of foods made me feel well. What I didn't know until I was 49 was that I had an underlying hidden infection, a Borrelia infection, which is the, the bacteria that causes Lyme disease. And Lyme disease isn't recognized in Australia. So I had to send my blood to America. So there's a little bit bit of me over there somewhere now. And they tested it and said, yeah, you've got Lyme disease. Okay. Now, when do they think that you might have, of course, maybe they can't tell when you got it. You think it might've been as a child? Yeah. It's highly likely that I've had it since I was quite small, which explains all the mysterious symptoms and the mysterious and the catching all of the things But I don't know if you know this about Lyme disease, but when your body starts to heal from it, whatever treatment you take, you can actually feel quite sick. And because what happens is the bug dies and breaks up and irritates the system. So you can get rashes and nausea and more exhaustion. Hey, let's get some more of that in the system. Well, you know, that's what's known as like a healing crisis, right? And so many things do that. Like you mentioned earlier doing the candida diet, and I tried that too. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show, but I don't, we probably have, but I can't remember. But I certainly tried the anti-candida diet at one point because it was a diet and there it was. And, you know, I was like, maybe this is it. It's just the candida and I'll just, you know, whatever. And, you know, one of my, Will had thrush as a very new, as a newborn, just like he was born with it. So that's, you know, made me think, okay, but things start to die off when you start eating in that way. And then you feel so much worse. And so I can understand. So you started feeling worse. So how were you treating it? What, what did you do to cause that healing crisis? I worked with a naturopath at that point, and um, she had this really big, broad range of treatments, some from overseas and some from here. And I grabbed, you know, I got this tiny little measure of health back. Didn't lose any weight, but got this tiny little measure of health back. So, and then moved to this new community and met all these lovely people up here in Heathcote, which is just gorgeous, and became friends with a nurse called Jenny, who's just one of the loveliest people. Hi, Jenny. She'll be listening. Hello, Jenny. She recommended Jason Fung's book. She said, oh, look, the obesity code 
it's really interesting stuff. I think you'd really enjoy it because we, you know, we both have that kind of idea of, I suppose we, we both kind of question what's going on and how do we best look after our health and what makes sense to us. So I bought it, I ordered it online. And then um, I have admitted to this in public before I left it on the floor of my office for uh, several months. (laughs) It's a big, thick book and it's daunting, isn't it? It is. And I thought, oh, I really had this sense of another thing that I'm going to try that's only going to kind of sort of partly work. And yeah, what does he know? He's only a doctor. Well, all those other ones didn't help us, right, with our weight loss. All the other doctors. They didn't. And I feel bad for them because... I do think if they knew about fasting and all the effects on your hormones and your immune system, it would be a very different story. They would have offered this if they had known about it. So it was on the floor. You hadn't read it yet. It was 2020. So it was the the first year of the pandemic. It was coming up to Christmas and I was coming up to dreading that time, you know, that, that summer period and thinking, oh, here we go. And also everybody's more anxious because it's the pandemic. And I thought, look, I'll just pick this book up. So I kind of dug it out of where it was in the pile of things that I wasn't looking at and including my taxes and had a look at it. And, you know, it was only a a few days. So I read it and I thought, no, that's it. I think I need to, I need to give this a go. So it's the 20th of December, 2020. Who starts a diet right before Christmas, huh? I have a friend who started on Christmas Day. So Michelle Singletary, she was on this podcast, yeah? I think I remember hearing her. She was quite early on, wasn't she? She was. It's been a while. So, yeah, so I started. So uh, four days before Christmas, I can remember Christmas Eve getting the house ready to for, you know, the family to arrive and making a bed by myself, which I hadn't really physically been able to do because it would just make me so tired. You know, when you, you have to go and have a rest after you've done some chores. So, you know, and I I ran the vacuum and I did all these things and I thought, I've got energy. How is this possible? This is wild. And then of course, Christmas day came and went and I, I went to Christmas with my family and we had a lovely time and I still felt good afterwards. And, you know, and I stepped on the scale and I'd lost, you know, a kilo. So that's like a couple of pounds. Who loses weight at Christmas time? Crazy stuff. So I knew that it was going to be okay. I I knew that I'd I'd found something here. And so I contacted Jenny and I said, oh, you'll never believe what's happened. And she lent me a copy of Fast Feast Repeat. And I realized very early on that I, like I'd read about four pages and went, oh, I've got to buy my own copy here. This is just, I need my own copy. This is something. And it's one of those ones, like I have other books and I and I lend them, but I don't ever lend Fast Feast Repeat because it's like. Now I have a question. What were you doing? You know, because I remember one of the reasons that I wrote Delayed On Tonight, like seriously was, there wasn't a book out there that really told people what to do. And we were all so excited when the obesity code was coming out because I'd been reading Jason Fung's blog And he was teaching me so much that way. And I was so excited the book was coming out. I pre-ordered it. And then it came out and it did not really tell you what to do. It didn't. No, no. So what did you do? That that didn't bother me too much, Jim, because I am pretty much somebody who reads all the rules and then goes, okay, I'm going to do it this way. 
which really annoys everybody else, particularly if you play board games with me. They People go, oh, you got house. Oh, yeah, we make up our own rules sometimes too, yeah. My nieces were just here over – they were here for the week before July 4th. They left right then, but – my nieces are in elementary school and I'm like, well, this is how we play phase 10. They're like, well, that's not what we do. I'm like, house rules. I did some house rules for my first bit of fasting. So I could see that clean fasting was going to be the way to go. I was really lucky because I already drank my coffee blacks, couldn't have dairy. I already drank my tea blacks, I couldn't have dairy. And I kept anything else that I drank inside a window. I decided that I would just start by not eating breakfast and I would wait until I really felt I needed it before I ate my breakfast. And so I thought, I reckon on the 20th, I reckon I kind of thought, okay, this is going to, I think I'll be able to go till about half past nine in the morning. Well, 11.30, I went, I might have some breakfast now. So that was really surprising to me. And then I just, after dinner, I would stop. So by 7.30, 8 o'clock, I would stop. So it was a very, very loose 1860. You were just an eating window. So you were just, you just started with an eating window and it felt great. It really did. And so very quickly, the hard and fast rule for my whole system has been not before midday, you know, before midday is a cup of coffee and water. And that's, that's pretty much it. It was really nice when I read Fast Feast Repeat and I had choices and I don't know whether I was really a rip the band-aid off kind of girl. I was more a creep in kind of girl. But I could see that, you know, by my birthday, which is late January, I'd lost about four kilos, which is like eight-ish pounds. So, you know, and that, that was unheard of for me. Usually, you know, between Christmas and birthday, there was a slow and steady creep um, or maintaining. So that was wild. That's about nine pounds. I just looked it up. So you'd lost about nine pounds, which is pretty, pretty good by late January in a month. Not too bad. And so I did a tiny bit of ADF. I found that as the weather got colder, I found it really hard to sustain the not eating for a whole day in the evening and the 500 calorie down day. I Once that window's open, it's on. So like, no, not that. It's hard to stop at 500. Yeah. A lot of people have that struggle. So that's the whole thing about how do you know which one to do? Whichever one works for you. And if you can't, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a volume eater. I had a hard time stopping at 500 when I was dabbling in that. It would just make me hangry. It's like my body's like, all right, where's the rest of it? <laughs> but some people, they feel great with it. I mean, they have a, a very satisfying 500 calorie meal for their body and then they are good to go. So it's really just about figuring it out. And you might be surprised at which you are. Like people might think they'd be one way and then find they're the other. The thing that I loved about it was that I would, I would fast, you know, I would have my dinner the night before, go to sleep, wake up the next day, just have water and tea, coffee. And if I needed to eat, I had still fasted, so I, I never felt like I cheated or failed or any of that. And I think a lot of that was the tone of fast feast repeat, kind of going, no, come on, you got this. You're, you're like my little cheerleader in a book. It was great. That was my teacher voice coming through because I really believe we can do it. And if we tell ourselves we can, we can. And what we tell ourselves is so powerful, you know, when someone said, I'm really struggling, this is hard for me, I just can't do it, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
And what we tell ourselves, I mean, the, the saying, you might think it's trite, somebody listening, you know, if you tell yourself you can, if you tell yourself you can't, either way, you're right. That sounds like just, you know, platitude or something, but it is absolutely science-backed. So you felt like you could do it, and then there's no failing. And that's the key. If you if someone is trying to do a down day and they're like, I'm going to do a complete fast, sometimes people feel they're failing if they need the 500-calorie meal or they're cheating. They're not. That's just a great way to do it. Or if people abandon it completely and decide to just have one meal a day that day and they just have a, a big dinner and they're like, I failed. No, you didn't. Like you just said, you still had a good fast. That's it. And that's just great. That was one of the reasons that I could see that IF would work for me long term is because I'm really good at stuff when it's simple. And this just felt so simple to me. You know, even if nothing else happened for the day, even if the only thing I did was open my window at 12 and close it after an, an evening meal, you know, close it at seven, that was still a good enough fast. I said it wasn't that bad. It was actually really great. You lost 8.8 pounds in about a month, which is like really fast. So because you know, a lot of people don't lose weight during their fast start. So how did the, the weight loss rate continue? It stopped and started and sputtered. Sometimes, particularly when I was doing the ADF, I would actually get those reactions because my body was healing bits of, of pulling out little bits of hidden Borrelia and, and knocking them off. And that was kind of giving me rashes and all kinds. So that was entertaining. That's just such a good point. You just said that. And I, it makes me, made me laugh at something. But because sometimes people will ask, like, I have a rash. Why? And I'm like, I don't know why. I don't know why you have a rash. And there's like, for you, it was your your body's clearing up this Lyme disease. So you can figure out, but there's something causing you to have a rash. But, you know, maybe you have Lyme disease too. No, I'm kidding. But I mean, seriously, someone could, like, like someone could have it and not know. So, I mean, I was kind of kidding, but not really. I didn't know for 49 years. And, you know, lots of people don't know because it hides it hides and it's very clever and, and so you can't always see it. Another reason why I knew that inter, uh, intermittent fasting would help was that when I was pregnant, both times I've got two girls who are about the same age as your boys, I think, each pregnancy I would lose weight. I would end up including pregnancy weight weighing less than I started. So my hormones, like, because, you know, when you get pregnant, you there's messages back and forth between the fetus and the mother and, and your body kind of takes on all these new chemical setups. And so, yeah, my body would just know what to do. And also I had morning sickness both times, so I never really ate before midday. So I was inadvertently doing intermittent fasting. I wouldn't have chosen to do it that way. That's just what my body wanted. Because you were sick. Yeah. You couldn't eat. You couldn't keep the food down. So, And all the while through, I had obstetricians checking the babies and the babies were growing, the babies were healthy and the babies were fine, which in the end was the main thing. But I could see that the reason why I was bigger and the reason why I was weighing more and the reason why I was struggling to lose it was because there was something chemically or hormonally going on in my system that I hadn't yet found an answer for. And I really feel like the fasting has found that for me. So I was feeling really great about this. And it was about March when I decided I'm going to write a memoir. I'm going to write about my first year of fasting and I'm going to take a record. And so I started weighing twice a day, keeping a record. I have a chart of my weight for the whole year, which is basically do, 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 lines up and down, lines up and down. And 
there are parts where I plateaued and then I lost a bit more and then I'd stay the same and then I'd go up a little bit and then I'd go whoosh down. And it wasn't always associated with a longer fast. Sometimes it was associated with periods where things were a bit more anxious and my weight would go up a little bit. And sometimes when things were hard and I would give myself a little bit of grace and take a a little bit of a more, more relaxed approach, my body would actually let go of a bit more weight. So I think that's an important lesson if I could pop in real quick and say, people think the only answer is just to keep fasting longer, harder, more, fast more, and that's not it. Because sometimes your body needs to feel that everything's okay. You know, take a little you know, little ease back, you know, fast a little bit less and your body's like, okay, we're fine. And of course, that's ADF in a nutshell, down day, up day, down day, up day. The up days let your body know that you're fine. But if someone has a short eating window and they're just rolling along with it, it might feel really, you know, convenient. You know, an eating window is very convenient. But, and you know, I enjoy it, but your body can adapt to that. And so having a little bit of time where you just let it go, your body's like, all right, we're good. We don't have to stay here anymore. I think the day that made me think, all right, body, you just do you and I'll just do the fasting thing was the day that I'd had a really crummy kind of day. I don't remember what happened, but it wasn't just, you know, some days are crummy. Some days are diamonds, some days are rocks. This day was a rock. And I thought, I am going to have myself a glass of Coca-Cola. That was like, if I had been allowed to have Coca-Cola as a kid, but no, I was a tab kid. Oh no. My grandmother always had tab. It's just so gross. Yeah. I could taste it like right this minute. Like I know how tab, like I can, if they had like what the sweetener that's in it, what's that one? I can't remember. Sweet and low is the same thing, whatever that one is. I suddenly, it's not on the tip of my tongue, but yes, not good. <laughs> not good. So I thought I'm going to have a Coca-Cola and I fully expected because I've been standing on the scales and, you know, techniques records because I wanted it all. I wanted data for my, um, for my memoir and I'd lost weight. Like my body got, I don't care about the Coke. I care about the fasting window and the fasting window was fine. Whoosh, down I went. Oh, it's saccharin. It just popped into my head. Saccharin. I think that was what was in there. Ugh. It was before of NutraSweet. That was the sweetener that they had prior to NutraSweet. And then, of course, NutraSweet came out and everybody's like, wow. And that was just as gross. But yeah, I can taste, as we're talking about them, I can feel them on my tongue. And then how they felt in your body. Oh, I haven't had any artificial sweeteners in such a long time. But oh. <laughs> yeah, that's my one. I mean, like, you know, I'm cleanish, but that is like a hard no for me. Like, I won't. There's no reason to have it to me. I mean, I understand some people like it and I'm not, we all have to make our own definition of what, what works for us. And, but that's my personal no. I'm, I've become a big fan of the idea that if your grandma wouldn't recognize it, it's probably not the kind of food you need to be eating. Well, my grandmother served me tab and bugles and tang. Did y'all have tang in Australia? Because the astronauts had it, right? And she had cheese in a can. Do y'all have cheese in a can? Spray cheese? Well, we always had spray cheese at my grandmother's house because she was like the, you know. So we would have to go back to great grandmother. (laughs) Yeah, my grandmother would never have had, she wouldn't have allowed spray cheese in the house. There's no way. Oh, well, I don't know. My grandmother loved it. We would put it on the chicken and a biscuit cracker. It was delicious. Lord knows what we were eating. I don't even know, but they still make them. We can still buy them. So tell me about your your memoir. 
you wrote a fasting memoir. Well, I started to. So the idea was I was going to go 20th of December. I got to 20th of December and I was down 22 kilos, which is like 48 pounds, I think. It's a lot of pounds. Yeah, that's that's pretty good for a year. That's a that's a good amount. It's good for a year. I started to gather my stuff together and I thought, I'm going to contact Jin Stevens and I'm going to go on her podcast. And she has a long time between when you book and when you think. So by then I will be at my goal weight and it'll be fabulous. I was so excited. You've just got to beware of hubris. This is all I'm saying. Just be really, because I booked it and within a week I had a virus And it was probably, the doctor thinks it probably was the virus, but we never got a positive test. And this was January of 2022. So you got something and never got a positive, but we're thinking it might've been coronavirus. And I got two bouts. So so I got it. And then I ended up at the emergency department because I had chest pain. Now, if anyone ever gets chest pain and thinks, Oh, maybe I should go to emergency. Maybe I shouldn't. Please go because they are they are so nice and they are so understanding about people saying, oh, I don't know if I should be here. I've got a bit of chest pain. They thought maybe there was some heart problems. And uh, can we just put a pin in the heart problems and come back to those later? Because I want to talk about what the virus did to me. I gained about five kilos. So I went from 98 kilos to 103 kilos, which just in itself, going over that little bump, just over that, that was so annoying. I was so like, oh, I'll just ADF my way back afterwards. Didn't happen. I've been sitting around 103 for the last seven months. In the last seven months, I've tried all different things. I've tried 16.8, I've tried 18.6, I've tried 23.1, tried 24. I've done some ADF, I've done some 22. 22.2, but my body has other priorities. It doesn't want to lose the weight because it's healing other things. And we have heard this. This is some, you know, obviously this is a novel virus, right? That's in the name of it. And I have heard from even people that are close to me who have had the virus and had been maintaining a steady weight loss, for example. Someone really close to me maintained a steady weight loss years with intermittent fasting, had the virus, bam, weight started to go up. And that's really the only thing that was different. And so there's something going on. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know what it is. You know, there's one suspicion that it hides in your gut lining. Have you heard that? And it hides in, I don't know. But whatever it is, it's very inflammatory. The state that, that's going on after having, you know, for some people, and I've had, I've had the virus two times and I have not had that happen. But for some people, it, it tends to cause something in the body that continues to be a problem even after the symptoms of the virus are gone, there's something going on. So you found that to be true for you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Absolutely. And, well, I, I don't know if you can notice, but I do speak a little bit slowly and I hesitate and that's that's definitely a foggy brain thing. Okay, so it's you've got lagging brain fog. Yeah, poor energy. Although this is such an important thing for people to know too is when you're feeling awful, it's to, to check back two weeks and see if you're slightly less awful because you know, in February, I was able to drive into town. We live out of town. I, I was able to drive into town and go into a shop. But if I needed to go across the road to a post to the post office, that was too far to walk. That's where my energy levels were at. And now, you know, I can walk the length of the block in town and, and I can do that kind of thing. And there have been some wins. So let's take the pin out of the heart thing because that's really fascinating. So chest pains in the ER, they did the whole ECG thing. They're like, mm, we want to go and test you. You're like with something's going on. We want to go and test you at on a stress, you know, they do it in the movies all the time. You're on the, you're on the treadmill and you've got um, sensors all over you. And it's quite hard to get into those here just in terms of cancellations and staffing and all that kind of stuff. And so it took me until June to get there. I had the sniffles and I couldn't go and all of that. So I'd had seven, six months of intermittent fasting in between when I had the chest pains and when I finally got to the ECG, to the stress echo. and. So I did the test and, you know, running on the, well, walking fast on the treadmill and thinking, I may die here, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And um, got off the stress echo and the cardiologist said, well, your results are like a 30 year olds. So thanks body. You know, you haven't taken me out of my size 18 genes, but my heart is doing all right. I have the heart of a 30 year old and I don't have to give it back. That's really nice. That's good to hear. So the chest pains just, it came in and it was gone and, and you're not having that anymore. Yeah. And you know, there hasn't, they haven't had to do any kind of intervention. I haven't had to go any meds, which has been really brilliant. So 2020 was this brilliant kind of story of la 2021. 2020 was the sad pandemic. Everybody was sad. Nobody knew what to do about anything. 2021 was this loss, weight loss, 
harps, angels, choirs, all that kind of stuff. 2022 has been a bit of a struggle, but there have been wins. Like I had to sit down when I knew I was coming to talk to you after, you know, contacting you and saying, well, maybe you don't need me. Maybe you need the grand weight loss people. We need everybody. You were gorgeous enough to say, yeah, come and talk. My lung capacity is coming back. And I know this because I do voice work, because I'm a singer. When I first was coming out of of having the virus, I had no lung capacity. You know, I couldn't sustain a note. I couldn't do my toning, that kind of thing. And that's, that's come back and it's, I'm almost back to where I was. And this is six months down the track. So to people who've got long COVID, who've got these things, just hang in there and also, you know, I'm only, well, I've tried every kind of pattern this year and I'm just, I'm not using weight loss as my, my barometer at the moment. Oh, I do have a barometer toe though. Do you want to hear about my barometer toe? I do. Okay. So I've had it a yucky toenail forever, at least since my babies were born. So what, 20 odd years. And during that first year of loss, it healed up and then it went yucky again and then it healed up and then it went yucky again. And anytime I had something else challenge my immune system, my body went, oh, not doing the toner. It's like they sat at the board meeting. It's like in my brain was the little the little table and they went, okay, so today, so we've got toe. No, I'm sorry, that project's bumped. No, we've got these things to heal. And then the next week, okay, so what do we got on? Oh, no, we've, all right, we've dealt with those. Congratulations to us. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Now we can deal with the toenail again. And when I was really, really sick, January, February this year, toenail went, ooh, not good. But my, my toenail is slowly starting to heal. And because it's like one of those little needles, you know, you can see it physically getting more and more healthy nails. So that's really exciting. Everybody needs a toenail barometer, just like Amanda. <laughs> or you can tell the health of your body. So that's that's something really important. The whole struggle that you've had recently, starting from COVID at the beginning of 2022, is, you know, sometimes people, you had great success for the first year, and then, you know, you could use the wording, well, then fasting stopped working. But did it? No, it didn't. Fasting never stops working in our bodies because it's doing something really important. You don't know what it's doing, but it know, our bodies know. Our bodies know what, and they prioritize different things than we prioritize. You know, we want to be in whatever size we want to be in, but our bodies are like, nope, today it's toenail, tomorrow it's lungs. It's, <laughs> we're building the heart today. Exactly. And, you know, my elbows are softer and I used to have little a little rash all over my upper arms. One that's like little bumps. Yeah, yeah. And that's and like my upper arms are soft and now I have I have collarbones. I love my collarbones. I sit there and kind of uh, rub them but and they don't have skin tags on them anymore. I used to have so it's it's brilliant. When you were not losing weight, your body was literally repairing your heart muscle from the damage it had gone through, for example, you know? Yep. So I'm grateful for these size 18 jeans. And the other thing is that I didn't really change in size when I put on that five kilos, when I put on that little, that well, feels like a little bit of weight. I mean, some people are probably listening to this going, I just need to lose five kilos. But for me, like this is just a little increment in 
all the, the weight that would be good if I lost it. But yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really grateful. That is such an important mindset to have because you recognize, first of all, that fasting has probably helped you through this in ways that you can't identify. Those are the kind of things that's hard to prove because you don't have an alternate Amanda who didn't do intermittent fasting and gained 50 pounds and had a heart attack. I mean, I'm, obviously, we can't say fasting <laughs> has prevented anything because we just can't know. We can't know what would have happened had you not been doing it. And I can't imagine any ethics committee allowing that kind of study to happen either, you know, unless people self-identified and said, I just want to be, I just want to be like this forever. Nobody does. And I don't know anybody who had the life that I had before I started intermittent fasting. The things that that I used to not be able to do, like drive, we're about an hour away from Melbourne and I would drive down and see my girls and then drive back in the same day. And before intermittent fasting, that was really quite hard. Like it was physically too much, too much mental work, too much, because driving is interesting because it's like riding. It's a lot of mental stuff. You know, you, you, you're sitting and you're focusing and you're concentrating, so you're using your brain, which is why if you do a long drive, you get to where you are and you're absolutely blasted. It's not because, you know, because you, your behind's been sitting in that chair all day and you, you know, your foot's been moving up and down on the pedals, but you haven't been doing a lot physically, but your brain's been burning a lot of energy. And I just found I had access to a lot more energy sort of, you know, just pre-Christmas last year. And I'm really hopeful that I'll get there again. But just at the minute, body's got other processes. I've put in an application to the planning committee, you know, in my brain. I said, Come on, brain. The brain's like, we're going to do what we're going to do. Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> You're not choosing this. We're picking it. So again, like I, it would be nice if we could pick, like when people are talking about where the weight's coming from, they're like, when am I going to lose the, you know, the belly or when am I going to lose the thighs? Why is it taking my whatever? <laughs> it's like body does. Well, you know, for me, it actually wasn't. That was the last to go. And, you know, I look back at, it was really weird. When I hit my goal in 2015, I continued, I was like a triple D. I mean, <laughs> a lot of boobs. <laughs> There's a picture when I was at my heaviest on that actual cruise that we went on. I'm, I'm in the water and wearing a bathing suit. And I swear my boobs were as big as my head in that picture. <laughs> so I had lost a lot of boobs, but I'm now a C. So I continued to lose a lot of weight in, in the boob area <laughs> over, over the, the time that I've been maintaining. So for me, it was the last to go, which was interesting. That was not, certainly not my experience with other diets, but. No, no. Oh, isn't that strange? Again, it's that thing of, you know, your body has its priorities. Our bodies are incredibly wise when we let them be. And I, what I love the most about you telling your story today is you're still telling it with love for your body, even though, you know, you could be angry at your body or feel like it's let you down, but you know that your body is not doing that. And it's keeping you as healthy as it possibly can and doing what it has to do. But you're, the way that you understand that your body is doing that really comes through. It really feels like I am the calmest and the most gentle around my body and my life that I've ever been because I've always, you know, with these underlying conditions, I've, I've always been a little bit judgy about what I've been capable of 
A friend of mine said to me the other day, oh, gee, Amanda, this sounds like you're being an adult. It's like, oh, shut up. But, but you know, and it, I just find the fasting lifestyle, there's no guilt, you know. I kind of wish I could redo the parenting because I remember the battles over breakfast, like breakfast in our house was something. They didn't want it. I wanted them to have it because I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was being a good mother. Turns out we should never force the kid to eat when they don't want to eat. They will eat when they're hungry. We are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I wish I knew that if I'd been actively grateful and kept a diary, that that would actually open the door up to being happy. And that might not sound like it's fasting advice, but I actually think that the days when I was just focused on what the number on the scale was in the morning, what the number on the scale was in the evening, and what when I was going to eat and what the clock said were actually not as much fun and didn't have as much joy in them as the days where I was actually noticing what was healing in my body and noticing what I could do and what was going on in my life. And I think sometimes we get wound up in the stats and the data and the expectations and we forget to live. Oh, that's huge. That is such good advice. Well, Amanda, it has been delightful to talk to you. Enjoy your Friday. I always laugh. People are probably tired of me saying it. But when I talk to someone on the opposite side of the earth, you're living in the future because it's still Thursday here, but you're living in Friday. So <laughs> anything happened since... <laughs> It's all pretty good so far. Yeah, happy to, happy to say I'm in the future. Future looks bright. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.